Welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show, a program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. This beautiful theme song that we're listening to is called Greatest Bravery, and it comes from a CD titled The Master Key, and it's from my friend, my mentor, a very talented singer, songwriter, musician. His name is Russell Allen Scott. Thanks so much for this, Russell. I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre, and I am here to share my experience, strength, and hope with you around my own recovery from drugs and alcohol. Red Roof Recovery is founded on the principles of something called CBT, Cognitive Behavior Therapy, along with a few other tools of therapy. Red Roof Recovery prefers to focus on tools of therapy rather than schools of therapy because there are lots of schools of therapy And they tend to practice what they deem to be effective and acceptable for their agenda. Red Roof Recovery is more about evidence-based solutions, about the latest scientific findings, because those are evolving all the time, and also about inclusion and non-judgmental consideration. We like to customize a program for you because this is all about you. There are hundreds of tools to choose from. The key is to find whatever it is that's going to work for you because we're all individuals. What works for me may not work for you and vice versa. So the thing is to keep looking. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can be an exhaustive search. Sometimes you're going to find something that resonates with you sooner than later. The key is to keep on looking. And then once you find something that does resonate with you, like I found with cognitive behavioral therapy and a few other tools that I'll be sharing with you, once you find something that works for you, I want you to grab onto that and with both, both hands, hold on tight and just do more of that. So the recovery journey can sometimes be a bumpy ride, but I like to focus on a strength-based approach to recovery. On every episode of Red Roof Recovery, we're going to be talking about uh, different tools from cognitive behavioral therapy, along with something called rational emotive behavior therapy. That's just another form of CBT. And also MET, motivational enhancement therapy. So those are the three key things. Um, You know, one of the major tenets of cognitive behavior therapy is about acceptance, So we're going to be talking a lot about acceptance on the show every episode. I'm joined today by Tammy Bannon. Tammy and I have been friends since 2004. Our career paths crossed in the real estate industry. And then I ended up leaving that industry after a few years uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I wasn't making any money. It took me two years to even start making any money to break even. But after four years, uh, as luck would have it, my husband had an opportunity to go to Mallorca, Spain. So I uh, didn't hesitate to go and uh, laze around on the Mediterranean for a while. So while I did that in 2007, uh, Tammy went on to become a top-selling realtor where she enjoyed many years in Ontario and just has recently moved to Nova Scotia where she's going to be blazing new trails there. Tammy is also a certified NLP and hypnotherapy practitioner. She's a life coach. She's helped me in invaluable ways. And she's a specialized guided meditation facilitator. Welcome to Red Roof Recovery, Tammy. Thanks for joining us all the way from Nova Scotia. Oh, thanks so much, Tanya. I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate you asking me. Well, you know, 
it's uh, it's not easy to come on to a program and expose our vulnerabilities and you know sometimes what can be perceived as moral failings uh, to the world. So yeah. I'm really grateful that you had the courage Thanks. to do that with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Actually, uh, exposing vulnerability is something I'm very conscious of every day. I, um, I, I, I don't know if you've listened to any of Brene Brown's exposés on on um, vulnerability, but they're wonderful. And, and practicing vulnerability, in my experience, has given other people around me the permission to also be vulnerable. And it, it just changes how we react and respond to each other. I love that. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, you know, I know in all of our years as friends, we've shared a lot of intimate stories about a lot of life's trials and tribulations, including, you know, things like homelessness and addictions and abuse that you have, you know, you've experienced firsthand. So I want to talk a little bit about that with you, some intimate deals, especially intimate details intimate details around, especially around the acceptance of that, right? Because uh, one of the major components of my recovery has been acceptance, not an easy thing to do, right? So we're talking about not only accepting uh, ourselves unconditionally, and a lot of that has to do for me learning to love myself, which is an ongoing um, evolutionary journey for sure. But then we've got unconditional life acceptance and Another one of the tough ones is the unconditional other acceptance. So let's first talk about the toughest question, and that is, what is acceptance? And I know you're going to have a fabulous answer for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, one of the things that sticks into my mind to say right now is to talk about um, a phrase I heard somebody once say, that life is happening for you, not to you. And so I believe we've been conditioned most of our lives to to judge. And I know you talked a little bit about judgment before to make our opinions and protect ourselves. And we then are sort of conditioned to become victims of the circumstances that befall our lives. And when you can change the way that you look at things, suddenly the things you're looking at will change. And when you change your perspective from life is happening to me, I'm the victim of life, to life is happening for me, your level of acceptance almost immediately increases because your perception of any situation then uh, can't help but change. So overall acceptance is a practiced behavior, I believe, and we have to unlearn our conditioning to to judge. Um, Another thing that's helped me with acceptance is you talked on about this too, Tanya, is self-love. When we love ourselves, again, just as when we are vulnerable, we give other people around us the opportunity then to love themselves freely. Uh, the fear of judgment comes from, or, or rather, the act of judgment comes from the fear of being judged. Mm. So when you notice how you judge or accept or don't accept others, you can really begin to ask yourself the deeper questions. What is it about me that I'm not accepting that creates this platform of judgment? And it, you know, it's really just the practice of, of thinking through before reacting, which is what we're used to doing. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely, uh, you know, part of what I study every day with cognitive behavior therapy 
is exactly what you've just outlined. You know, it's not what's happening around us. It's how we're responding to what's happening around us, right? Because we're right. all products of our environment. And yeah. uh, we were just talking in the studio about this, about how um, I've interviewed some ref refugees, you know, who have been victims of war and war crimes. And, you know, spending their uh, many, many years in refugee camps waiting uh, to be resettled somewhere. And one of the most um, recent success stories was a gentleman whose family settled in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. And his family was ripped apart by the Syrian war. They spent five years in a refugee camp and uh, finally settled in Antigonish, Nova Scotia, where they started to rebuild their lives and their business. So they were in business of making chocolate. And <laughs> who doesn't love chocolate? So they started up the business again in Antigonish, and I saw on social media recently that uh, Tarek has just opened a storefront, a retail storefront, on the Halifax Harbor front, which, of course, uh, the, you know, the municipality there, the government's spent billions of dollars developing the harbor front in Halifax. It's absolutely yes. gorgeous now. So yeah, he has a retail storefront, Peace by Chocolate is the I'm name. going to have to um, go see them. Yes, they have a vibrant Just online business as well. They ship all over the world. So, Peace by Chocolate. Look those up. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I love talking to people about, uh, you know, coming to a level of acceptance and uh, living through life's adversities. Um, you know, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, is another great example. He survived four concentration camps and writes about it in Man's Search for Meaning, one of the most powerful books that I've read. And I also re, uh, use something called rational emotive behavioral therapy. And in your training with NLP, I'm sure, uh, you know, you're quite versed in how important it is to be aware of how we're speaking to ourselves, right? Because I know I speak to myself in my head more than I speak to anyone. So I try to make yeah. it a nice place to be. And that comes with awareness to what, what is the narrative that I'm feeding in there? What am I subjecting myself to? And what are the messages that I'm telling myself about everything? And, you know, my experiences are great to teach the lessons of what not to do after you've made a mistake, for instance, sending a text that should have been left un unsent yes. or the email yes. or the voicemail, yes. right? Yes. And yeah. it's letting it just sit, sit with it and wait instead of reacting and just learn how to accept and then respond if there's even any need to respond. Sometimes silence is the, <laughs> the best response, right? And I, I also think it's important to understand and notice the difference between a response and a reaction. Mm -hmm. Right? So a reaction will be based on the feelings that came up when you heard what you heard. A response will be based on what you heard the other person saying. So... The emotion that in it enters into it often skews the rational thought. Oh, absolutely. How many times have we you know, heard a conversation between people and said, that's not what I said at all? That's not what I said at all. Right? Yeah. And it, you were absolutely right to make the connection between NLP and uh, MET because that's what it is. And in our, in our minds, it's actually neuroplasticity. So it's, it's highways of habitual thought that have now become instinctive. 
And often your brain wants to do that. It wants to make sense of everything. So it loves to loop things together. So when this happens, do that. It's a um, an IFTT program, you know, if this, then that, just mathematical. And it often becomes so knee-jerk, you don't even notice you're doing it. So the key then becomes noticing. And you said it beautifully, watch your language. Mm-hmm. In my coaching email signature, I'll say, watch your language. It's the screenplay of your life. How you language both your inner and outer dialogue creates the story or the moving picture that is your life. Yeah, I agree Mm -hmm. with you entirely. Mm -hmm. It starts with our words, the language that we're using, because that feeds directly into the thoughts that we're creating with the committee in my head there. And then those thoughts create my moods, my emotions, my feelings, and all of that correlates into my results, my behaviors. So once I'm aware of what I'm feeding my thoughts with my words, then I can start formulating a more positive uh, loop, right? To interrupt that negative loop that runs in my head that never stops or shuts up. Whether you notice it or not, it's running. Yes. I think another really great thing is um, you can't change what you don't notice. So Mm -hmm. until you recognize that you're doing it, change isn't possible, right? And, and so um, creating new habits and, and changing your inner dialogue, one step deeper than that is, you said, you know, your programming, which is your, leads to your thoughts, and then your thoughts lead to your uh, feelings, and your feelings lead to your actions, and then your actions lead to your results. And I want to take that one step further. Your results and your feelings and your thoughts and your actions all contribute to your vibrational energy. And if we're talking from a law of attraction standpoint, then that vibrational energy, after you've processed programming thoughts, feelings, actions, results, then create what you put out to invite what you will see. Well, we're learning more about that with, uh, you know, movies like What the Bleep. I wasn't a big fan of The Secret because it talked a little too much about money and material things. Yes. But What the Bleep... I think focused more on the physics, which I think is extremely right. important. I mean, Albert, I learned uh, in grade school that Albert Einstein said it best that energy is everything and everything, everything is energy. So we're basically just bouncing blobs of energy, you know, it's crashing into each other and trying to harmonize with each other and the yes. universe. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, take it that one step further. We're cellular beings. At the smallest level of our existence is a subatomic cell. And the cells respond to our thoughts in our mind. So, for instance, you cut yourself, you have a, the, the thought is automatic pain, and the pain's response or the brain's response to pain is to heal. So, our cells then go busy to get to the healing. Well, that's a cut. However, if you have an emotional cut, it's the same thing. So it requires the same healing and the same attention and the same cellular construction to um, to to bring about the end. And I think our, our our medical communities are finally starting to merge the mental and physical health components. Right? Yeah. We're, we need to stop distinguishing. I think between you know mental health because right. it's it's all connected. Mental health yeah. is directly connected to our physical health and vice versa, right? It's all running together. Well, then find me a person who doesn't have a mental health something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
right? So, and I do not want to minimize how difficult it can be to navigate through the events of your life. But essentially, you can't escape that. Um, you've been programmed to react and respond in a certain way. And so throughout your life, that's what you'll do until you notice you're doing it and decide whether or not it serves you. And I think uh, you said this earlier. Does it serve me? Is it productive? Will it move me forward? And uh, you were talking about acceptance, which again, all comes down to accepting yourself. Once you can do that, then accepting others becomes entirely different. So let's talk talk a little bit about navigating life's circumstances, because you and your family, uh, you know, I know the intimate deal details of your uh, upbringing. So are you comfortable sharing uh, how the paths, uh, you know, were headed in the same direction with you and your sister, and then suddenly, uh, just one twist of fate changed everything? That was a really great... Yeah, I don't mind to share that, Tanya. Um, and, and I'll continue to use that in my coaching, too. I'll, I use this example. My sister, younger sister, and I were so close always from as early as I can remember. We were really bonded. And our growing up wasn't great. And um, at my sister was 11 and I was 12. We ran away from home. And... Um, we stayed away from home for a couple of weeks and we chose different places to live in, in a locker room in uh, friends' houses, um, in friends' gardens, um, in the schoolyard, uh, a lot of different places. And it was challenging, but it still felt better than being home. But we had these two aunties that stayed with us because my mom with four children had to work. So our aunties looked after us and they were older. Both of them had lost their husbands. And one of them, uh, when we ran away, somehow got a message to one of my friends that uh, she was afraid she was going to have a heart attack because she was so worried about us. And I was so young that I didn't really realize that that wasn't, that was just an expression. I really actually thought that she was going to have a heart attack. And so I got terrified. And I, at that moment, decided to go back home. And my younger sister did not. And, um, and from that moment forward, our lives took on a completely different direction. And every decision that she made from that point um, was in any, a completely opposite direction than mine. And our lives now very much demonstrate that. And not too long ago, my younger sister and I were, I was driving her somewhere. Uh, she is on disability now and lives in a rooming house and lives financially, you know, hand to mouth. And I was driving her somewhere and I noticed her staring at me. You know, you can feel when somebody's staring at you. And I looked over at her and she had tears in her eyes. And I, I said, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And she said to me at that moment, I realized I could have everything you have if I just would have made that one decision differently. And, um, and she was right. And now I, I, she's 55, and it's challenging to convince her that she could still change. She has 50 years of really great conditioning and programming to fight through, not to mention addiction issues. 
um, impulse control and her own uh, series of mental health problems. So uh, but that was a that was a, a big big example. Um, different lives, different choices create different results, and yeah, we're still both sad about it till. This and day. how frustrating it must be for you um, to be helpless around the whole situation to help her. I mean, you've tried to help, and uh, sometimes yeah, so where, where do you draw the line between helping and uh, what is it? Um, enabling. Enabling, yeah. That's that was one. really a big lesson for me. Uh, I did really well in real estate. So a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to rent her an apartment, and I you know, I would put up the reputation and the uh, first and last like deposit. And I went in and spoke on her behalf and um, got her an apartment. And uh, she didn't have much skin in the game. That's the truth of that. And so a year later, we were in tenant court and she was being evicted. And it, that was a really big lesson for me to, and here we are back at acceptance, Tanya, to accept that there were some things about Cindy's life that I just could not change, fix, make better. And that it wasn't my responsibility to do that. And that's a light, there was a lifetime of sorrow wrapped her up in that thought and letting it go and just accepting her for who she was now and who she you know wants to be and and um embracing the love that we can share and thinking about what I do want to talk about with her and to share with her and to be with her how do I want to show up and there was massive acceptance in that that I I I let go now of fixing her of saving her of you know bringing her on this journey She's on her own journey, and uh, my job is only to accept her and love her, which of course means accepting that I cannot fix, change, or control everybody and everything around mm -hmm. me, and letting go and just appreciating the beauty that is, not what I think could or should be, what is now. Yes, when we start using those absolute words, right, like have to, must, should, you know, she should know better, she must behave this way. Yeah, those absolute words, uh, you know, we can get we can just go into a downward spiral very quickly there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Cindy, my little sister really taught me acceptance. Um, uh, I, I love her differently now because I can see her beauty without wanting to save her from her ugly. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then how did you deal with the feelings of maybe letting her down? Because I, I remember, uh, you know, it was a horrible time for you because she said, how can you do this to me? Yeah, that was a horrible time. Um, uh. And I had really great friends like you who would help me uh, because it was my propensity to fall into that. I, it was my responsibility and or my fault. Ooh, um, and I and my friends would help me to, to you know keep me on track and, and 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 you know embrace that I I'm still her sister and I still love her and I can still have a relationship uh, 
and and it was hard for her because I, I then it meant that I wouldn't say yes as frequently and she had difficulty hearing no from me and it for a while it was very tense and then and then really I I think something happened Tanya and she all of a sudden it it was like okay I was as far as I could go with her now I can't go any further so then it changed how she dealt with me also because I think she recognized that I wasn't going to do those things anymore and I wasn't going to hear those cries the way that I did before um and she still does it and I still you know uh, I've programmed some answers I've, I've sort of scripted some great uh, responses that help me and and shut her down uh, from it you know and um, one of them is you know what it, it doesn't matter I love you anyway no matter where you are or what you do and you know, my job isn't to judge what you do. It's just to love you. So how am I going to love you today? I'll say things like that. And they, they really turn her mind away from the poor me. You need to fix me. You have everything. I have nothing to the, I love you so much. Thank you for sharing with me. And, and I just, this morning I did it again with her, you know, um, you know, and you, you brought me to this Tanya. One day you said to me, I was moaning about the things that I didn't like. And you said to me, well, what do you want? And so I use that with my sister too. Well, what do you want? Let's talk about that. And, yeah, I use that with my family members. Yeah. Sometimes she'll just tell me to shut up and hang up on me, and that's okay. Uh, and then a few days later, she'll call me again. So, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not an easy question to answer, which is yeah. why I encourage everybody to ask and answer three questions every day. What do I want? What am I doing about what it? What am I doing about and it? And how do I feel about what I'm doing about it? Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. important and it's it's a it's not a nice place to go sometimes. It's it can be deeply well, dark and scary, but it's well, important I think to get that awareness of ourselves and to make ourselves accountable for the decisions we're making. And I I want to just address the word want, you know, because we we touched a little bit on the law of attraction and uh and uh, if if the if the language is want then the the energy system will bring more want. Um, so what, what do I intend for today? What is my intention for the day? What do I intend to do about it? And how do I intend for my feelings to grow because of it? I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tammy. Thank- mm. <laughs> okay. No more wanting. From now on, we're right. going to be setting intentions. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your comeback when she says, all I need is just some help with my rent this month? What do you say? Oh, so that's not a question she would ask me. She would, it, but I, but I, I need get groceries. where you're going. So all she, I need is help with groceries. What do you say? My cat needs to be fixed. Right. I, I, I need a pedicure. I need a manicure. I need cat food. I need cat litter. I, uh, those are, those are things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'll, I will offer her other solutions. So I might say, could you call the Humane Society and see if they have any, any donations and get one of your friends to pick them up for you? Uh, you know what? Cats are a luxury. So you got to really start planning for the future. There's, you know, every month this comes to you. So every month you got to make some plans and you're really great at that. So I trust you'll be able to do it. I use a lot, a lot of that language with her. If anybody can do this, it's you. You're so resourceful. I mean, look at what you've overcome. And I'll... I'll use that language to empower her because she's coming to me like she's a victim and I don't see her that way. I see her as a very powerful woman who who really just got trapped in habitual life. 
And so I'll, I will give her back her power as often as I can. Man, you're the perfect person for that job. I know you can do it. If you need any help, you know, brainstorming, I'll be happy to throw some suggestions at you. I that's, love that. And she gets, she still gets, sometimes she'll take it. Other times she just gets really mad at me. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah. Setting the boundaries is important. Yeah. And not only setting them, Tammy, but keeping them there. Right? I setting them is easy. Yeah. <laughs> Maintaining right? I'm them. I'm going to, oh, yeah. You can do your guns, yeah. right? Yeah. Not easy, like right? It's, and, and of course, then you get that uh, tough love uh, sentiment, which I don't like. This is not tough love at all. This is oh. setting boundaries and keeping them. And it has yeah, nothing and to do with toughening up love. I no, don't think. it's authentic representation of both of us. I'm hmm. not going to listen to your problem. I don't want to have any respect for your problem. What I want to respect and love is you. Your problem can go jump off a cliff. I don't, yeah. I don't like your problem. You I love. Right? So I'm not going to engage in um, pouring energy into the pot that is your problem. No. I'll put all my energy into the pot that is your love and you're beautiful and you're perfect just as you are. Awesome. That's where I'll put my, th- my um, acceptance. You're amazing, Tammy. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about acceptance with me today. You're an amazing woman. And Aww. for our listeners, if you would like to get in touch with one of the ama- most amazing life coaches that I know, Tammy at TammyBannon.com and you can talk to her about her coaching services. Thank you, Tammy. Remember to talk to yourself like you talk to your best friends. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.